Welcome back to The Queer Chaos. I'm your resident host and chaos magician, John Melitris. This is a show where we invite chaos, as in pushing against those heteronormative musings that are, quite frankly, boring us to tears. Speaking of boring to tears, did anyone catch The White Lotus on HBO Max? Okay, so this is a limited series from writer-director Mike White, where he seems to be uh, working out the complicated intersection of his white skin privilege and his surname. I don't know. This show seems to be about a young white-bodied teen from an affluent family who finally finds redemption by inserting himself freely and without any historical consideration whatsoever into Native Hawaiian culture that has been uh, horribly colonized and stolen from by Western corporate interests. Do we really need another unpacking of privilege from a white cisgender male? Probably not. Or more so, do we need another corporate-backed show that replicates the very structure of colonialism that it purports to satire? That being said, I love an opportunity for Jennifer Coolidge to shine, and that she did, even if it was in this rather hot mess of a show. But if you really want to see something delicious with Jennifer Coolidge that's just hitting the film circuits, check out Swan Song, starring Udo Kier. Oh, baby, I am an Udo Kier super fan. (laughs) Me and my date went to the Denver Film Festival for their lovely Q-series, Queer Cinema, and we sat next to each other crying over this highly affecting film about a queer elder surveying their life as a small-town celebrity. What did you all think of episode one of Queer Chaos? Let me know by sending some love with a follow on Instagram at Queer Chaos Pod. Share the show on your socials. And what really gets me going is a review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, and a follow of the show wherever you get your pods. Reviews on Apple help others find the show by doing something with the algorithms that I will make no attempt to understand. Okay. Lastly, I'm looking for your queer stories of failure. You know, one of the things we're pushing against on this show is the dominant cultural idea of success. Queer chaos rallies around those queer attempts that didn't quite work out the way we intended. Check out the prompt immediately following at the end of this episode for more information. Okay, on today's show, I'm chatting with David Odyssey, queen mother of the podcast The Luminaries and resident astrologer for Nylon Magazine. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I crush hard on this queer. (gasps) The beauty, the cosmology. I was seeing stars. Okay, but before we bring in David, let's portal over to Dusty with the segment Active Cultures, field reports on the state of culture and some other shit. Trust me, it is beyond tasty. Hi, it's it's Dusty Childers, aka Dusty Shoulders, aka at Duddy Lynn, and I'm here to report on a segment we're calling Active Cultures, honey. Get those bowels moving, honey. Get it nice and tight. 
if you're feeling it, if you're feeling a nice and tight moment. Um, okay, so active cultures, we're talking about culture, we're talking about the way things are in the way I see it. Um, the way things were, right. Um, so I'm thinking about the new, you know, I hate this new norm, the, the term, the new normal. But I think that what we're learning as things are just evolving is that the safest thing to do if you're collectively hanging out is an outdoor scenario. So here we are in a new world, which I love because an outdoor party is, I think, just such a fantastic idea. Um, who doesn't love a breeze? Who doesn't love fighting a mosquito, right? And I have to say that someone who is doing it really well is my daughter, my biological daughter, Charlene Incarnate. She is killing it with her Prospect Park parties, honey. She was inspired, I have to say, I have to give props. She was inspired by a, um, well, this is how it went down. So, Animatronic of the Scissor Sisters, you know, Scissor Sisters fame, she's an incredible DJ, happens to be born on the same day as my beloved Shane O'Neill. And August 14th, big ups. And so last August, it was the, you know, what a, what is Anna doing for her birthday? She's bringing her battery packs to the Vale of Cashmere in Prospect Park, and she's jamming. Her and her husband, who is incredible, Seth Kirby, I love him. They're like, we're going to do DJ sets. We're going we're gonna to tra-la-la, right? We're going to have the lights. And so Shane contacted Anna and was like, hey, babe, do you mind if I bring my friends? And she's like, the more the merrier because it's an outdoor thing, right? So here we are living in the new, the new frontier of getting together, right? It was to say the least, an incredible success. And so what ended up happening was Shane, the my beloved, and his friend Ayanara Tiefenthaler had started this collective called GAE, G-A-E, which stands for Gays or Everything. And they started throwing these dist, dist dance parties. They had Anna come, she DJed, and Char Charlene came to one of those parties and she was like, this is this is incredible, right? And of course, for those of you listening that don't know, Charlene used to run a um, DIY party space that she lived at called Casa Diva. And that has been a, the, the loss of Casa Diva has been a real uh, loss for the, the Brooklyn culture, uh, queer culture, right? The drag scene, the party scene, right? So here we are relocating that same magic into Prospect Park. Now, the Vale of Cashmere is three circles. Uh, they used to be fountains, so you can imagine just like a, a cement sort of ashtray kind of shape, you know, with the ridge, right? And, of course, if you put a speaker, several speakers on the rim of said cement ashtray, the sound really pops off. And there Charlene is renting a generator from the Home Depot and DJing and then giving giving shows. And what I thought was very special, her giving shows, and she also, of course, has folks come and, and give shows as well. And what I found uh, especially touching is sort of, um, and, and, and it, I was saying this to some, I was telling someone that this happened and then they reminded me that it was something that, of course, nothing is new in the world, right? And we love that. We love that things sort of come, um, Mark Twain says, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Uh, so it sounds like, you know, like this sounds like that. So, you know, 
she would, she came up to me and she goes, okay, so get ready in the spotlight. She's like, cause I'm going to introduce you as a person who is attending the party that like, you know, means something, you know, to, to her specifically. And also in this, in this scheme of things, not to blow smoke up my own skirt or whatever. And so, you know, she's like, it's my mother, you know, and blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm there and I'm like sort of dancing for a second. And then it's, you know, and like periodically as people are attending, right. Because there's people that are performing and that's a whole other intro, but then there's the people that are there. And I thought, saw that was very touching. And so I was telling someone about it and they go, oh my God, they used to do that at Mother. So, so Mother NYC was, they were, they were the people behind the famed Jackie 60, right? And so the Mother NYC is, is still sort of around as a collective consciousness thing. It's, um, it's Chichi um, Chi Valenti and Johnny Dinell. And it was... That, so Jackie 60 was a place and Mother NYC was sort of the collective. And then one of their famous things was, of course, the Night of a Thousand Stevies, which they still do. It's been postponed, obviously, because of the core. I wish they could do a Night of a Thousand Stevies outdoors. How gag would that be? At any rate, some, I think it was my friend Poison Eve who said, oh, they used to do that at, at, um, at Jackie 60. And so I just thought about how apropos it is that you know here she is being like this is the way it should be not i don't think knowing that this is the thing that had occurred before and so that's queer magic to me um and anyways so if you are finding yourself in a funk get yourself a bluetooth speaker honey and get outside and just start the party just do it you don't need permission there's no you know fuck a permit honey what are the cops going to do, honey? I mean, well, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. At any rate, you know, put it out there. Let girls know the beach, right? Don't take your speaker on a hike, though, because that's the girls are really the girls are really coming for people who are taking speakers on hikes. You know, also, you know, if it's a beach with a lot of people, sure is a speaker. But if you're like, let's say you're like. Um, Tuck, tucked away somewhere in a nice little idyllic thing where you're it's kind of spotty maybe not a speaker maybe you need the maybe you need the headphones just feel the room feel this feel the outdoor space or the room and say is this the vibe i think people need to really check in with vibes and see where we are with it and make that choice you know or Ask other people, hey, does this speak? Is this speaker bothering you? And if they say no, but you can see on their face that it is, go with that. Go with go with the look, right? At any rate, the great outdoors, honey. Get it while it get it while you can. Thank you, Dusty. And now for a convo with the gorgeous and glorious David Odyssey. Fascination. 
Hi, hi. Excuse How's me. How's it lo- going? I'm looking through my purse for a chapstick. One moment. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there she is. Good old Carmex. You're in like a full um, military vibe right now, which I did <laughs> what not does expect. That even mean <laughs> it just the, the olive uh, tank. I was I'm like it's it's well, a little bit like Private Benjamin. Well, she's not olive. It's just in this horrible fucking lighting. There's in this room. It looks olive, but it's actually brown. Oh, okay. Still, you see there. Butch. Yeah. Um, This studio was flanked by like 50 Ikea lamps, but they're all like pressed against the precipices of the room. So like it's just giving you soft, warm, ambient lighting, but not really actually a good lighting job for there being that many lamps in here. (laughs) Speaking of, let me fix my lighting. Okay, that's better. So, hi. Here we are. I'm asking everyone to introduce themselves because, quite frankly, none of you queens have updated your website. So when I, like, pull shit from the interwebs, (laughs) it's always like, oh, no, bitch, that was years ago. I don't do that anymore. (laughs) That is true. That is very true. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. That has happened a lot lately. Yeah. Well, hello and welcome, David Odyssey, to the chaos. Yes, uh, I am so pleased to be in the maelstrom uh, and the kind of uh, this liminal uh, chaotic interregnum to which uh, beings like you and I call home. Uh, I am. Shall I just go ahead and introduce myself, darling? Please, because I haven't done any research. Okay, fine. Uh, I am a writer, performer, astrology and tarot reader. Uh, and I currently have an astrology column with Nylon, and I have a podcast called The Luminaries, in which I and special guests, soon to be you, uh, oh. go over <laughs> the charts of our favorite icons. Um, and listen, besides that, I'm just a, I, I am someone who is cruising all of the invisible channels the way that you are. Um, yes. So I'm very grateful to be here. Yes, yes. I, I feel invisible all the time. It's a place where I live. <laughs> I try to actually yes. make myself more invisible on a daily basis. It's a practice. And gay visibility may not be all it's cracked up to be, by the way. No, actually speaking of that, this one thing that you said, and I believe it was on the Alanis episode, <laughs> is you don't have to do anything for pride. <laughs> and I'm quite frankly, I've never had anything resonate with me so fucking much because you know what you know what we need a fucking month off and instead we've been designated with the month of june to entertain the fucking heterosexuals and corporations like we're on a goddamn queer uso tour do not even get me started about halloween by the way because halloween is truly the insult of all where they're like even though you've been turning looks for the last six months, now to entertain straight people, you need to do another costume. And it's like, you don't tell me when I get to turn up. And by the way, I want to add one more thing. I've recently, I might be turning against birthdays, which is to say, 
I love giving gifts. Gifts are my my love language. But mm-hmm. the idea that I have to give gifts on a timeline, <laughs> like I should be able to just see see something that reminds me of you and buy you a gift out of love rather yeah. than like the doomsday clock is ticking. I need to come up with something to get her. I, I just, I'm getting a, any sort of timeline of like, you have to celebrate now. You have to dress up now. You have to like, I, I just, I'm oh, so kind of wanting just- to be off. You just don't like being told what to do. You're not a yeah, sub. Which, well, by the way, <laughs> that's what pride should be. Pride should be like, yeah, we're fucking partying or picketing now because we want to, not because like yeah. it's been designated by the overlords. I've been picketing every new fashion line in Target for the past two years. And no <laughs> one's been on the front lines with me. <laughs> we need you out there uh, and, you know, hang in there, Kitty, because one day the, they'll, the children will know of your sacrifice. Oh, speaking of which, you should do the astrology of Kathy Ireland. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, that's a gag. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm. let me write that down. That is, I have not heard, that is the first original suggestion I've heard in eons. Well, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then we could break down how the releases of different Kathy Island co- co- collections, like, corresponded with her, her Saturn, maybe. Yeah. Or just the color yeah. palettes. The color, her color palettes mm. um, oscillate between three moods, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, I don't know what those moods are, but we'll have to. You'll have to figure it the, out. The full spectrum. <laughs> you look towards the stars. The full spectrum. Very good. Of yes. Three moods. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Kathy. Yeah. Yeah. So I I want to know as well as my ten thousand subscribers would like to know. Yes, God. Are you that kind of queen? Um, who can never have enough crystals? No, but this is what I will say. I am confronting a lifelong scarcity mentality. So I am only this year really being like, okay, bitch, you can have multiple candles burning at once. You can have multiple crystals. Um, And yesterday I just spent a lot of money on Etsy buying stickers. (laughs) But I truly, I have a nice amount of crystals, most of which have been given to me, which I'm very grateful for. But Um, I am someone who's like, I cannot fucking wait to go off. The issue with crystals, though, is there there are some ethical concerns there because there is no way to verify uh, if you're using a conflict crystal. (laughs) Or not. I mean, there's so it, it, it's a little chaotic. Not that yeah. that would stop me, but I'm just like, yeah. before I buy my next Labradorite stone, I will. But but thank you for asking. I, I don't know if that's the answer you wanted. Well, I just took us in yeah. a whole different direction. Yeah, I enjoy that. Um, yeah, I think there's really an issue whenever you go out into Mother Nature and forage for things to sell them back to humans. But hey. Right. Listen, (laughs) listen, I get it. But I am, I, there, I can never have enough incense. I can never have enough Mm. oils. That is where like the oil scenario in this house is really jacked up. Um, so I will say that. Like cooking oil or. Yes. But we have, we have like any which oil you need oils for sleep, Oils for like feeling sexy, oils, uh, anything, 
we're you know that flower power in the east village like has my number okay well here's my concern if i were to enter your home would it be like entering or coming adjacent to the fragrance counter in the nordstrom (laughs) how dare you (laughs) um no it would definitely be like um uh oh like a fag moved to Bushwick and like discovered the Santana shop and like no one has told him how to navigate it. So Mm. it is pretty wild, but no, it would not be that. It's a lot of like sage and amber and that sort of a thing going on. I myself, um, um, I've only ever used, well, for the past like, I guess five or six years, there was only two fragrance companies that I ever buy any from. And one of them is a small shop um, called Olo, O-L-O, in Portland. And then the Maison Margiela, like, Mm. memories line, just because, Mm. I mean, who doesn't want to smell like a fucking old book from a library coupled with some leather? Listen, you know, (laughs) I'm a a Taurus. God forbid anything be elegant anymore. So please, like, uh, that is such a beautiful indulgence. Yes. So I want to go, okay, I want to talk about the luminaries and I want to talk about, I listened to a few episodes. Um, Thank you. Fabulous. Well, the one, when I was looking at the list, of course, Alanis Morissette stood out because, you know, it's the 25th anniversary tour <clears throat> of Jagged Little Pill that I just Which she's doing with for. Garbage and Liz Fair. Oh and my God. Liz where, motherfucking run. Fucking where run are you Liz going? <laughs> where are you going if not right to that concert? Which show are you seeing? I'm Well, I'm seeing the one in Denver. Oh God. that's where I am. It's yeah. going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to send me back to those places of sexual confusion and um, fucking fraternity brothers in beer, beer messy basements. Yeah, things like of that. Yeah, and yeah, and I just have to say, like, you know, garbage and Alanis. What they really do is they take us back to a pre-Bush era time where, you know, twee is only a recent invention and those women were not twee. They were like on the nose, wrathful, direct and powerful and they weren't trying to be subtle about it and like, God, that's going to feel good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I'm very excited. So where... Did you start, I didn't look back to see actually the date when you started the Luminaries. Is it, was it pandemic era or was it pre-pandemic? Listen, I am someone who goes through a lot of <laughs> radical, uh, you know, what what we call crises of metamorphosis. So I am, you know, there are those people you know who look the exact same as they did in high school and pretty much do the same thing. I'm not one of those people. Sure. There's always some shifts going on with me. Uh, when the podcast started in 2019, I would say the first 50 episodes of the podcast, it is a straight up interview podcast. It is just interviewing like cool people in New York. Uh, cause I come from a journalism background and I, you know, there were a lot of people in New York I was writing about, so I had them on the podcast to interview them. Uh, only 
in the pandemic era, uh, did it then shift to instead of one-on-one interviews, I would just bring a person on and we could talk about the person that they're obsessed with, be it, you know, Alanis Morissette, Michelle Pfeiffer, MIA, whatever. And we would do their astrology and it would be kind of a more, very different. Um, So yeah, it's, it's evolved. And by the way, I think it's probably going to shift again. Uh, I just have a feeling. Mm -hmm. Um. I have a feeling everything's going to change in 2022, by the way. I don't know if you're feeling this way, but like... It's changing now. Yeah? Yeah. Sometimes I don't make my bed in the morning now. It's very liberating. Anything can happen. Exactly. I I just feel... Chaos. Yeah, we're we're (laughs) approaching some sort of an event horizon, so I'm open to it changing again. But yes, it is only a pandemic era. It is an astrology at all podcast. Mm -hmm. But you, so you started it though with the astrology lens, right? So it it hasn't, or was it, was it not even an astrology lens? No, there was no astrology lens whatsoever until the pandemic. And it's been really fun to incorporate that. Um, So what made, what brought you to, okay. So pandemic cosmos, like what, what about the pandemic said, I am making this a podcast that is astrology focused or did astrology sort of inform it the other way around where it starts to answer questions about the time of the pandemic? I was watching Veneno and I was just like, so I was just feeling her presence so strongly. And I was just like, there's more here that I want to break down and there's got to be a way to like talk about her and like honor her. And I'd been doing so many readings uh, during the Mm. pandemic that I called on one of my friends, Dexter, Dexter Driscoll, who's also a reader. And I was like, let's just record us doing her chart and let's see what happens. And then from there it kind of took off um, because I felt Especially during the pandemic, it's often really hard for me to connect to people one-on-one without some sort of like a guiding framework. I just felt very, the pandemic, I mean, generally speaking, but certainly during the pandemic, I feel like I'm in a total metamorphic liminal space. And it's really hard for me to be like having a dialogue with someone like, how are you? What's going on? All of that. And I felt like Uh, bringing in astrology could take things into a more archetypal dimension. And it gave us a little bit something bigger to work with rather than me being like, so what's going on in your career? (laughs) You know, like I just can't really Mm -hmm. do that anymore. Um, So yeah, I would just credit Veneno, of course. Right. I'm so, I'm so happy that you sort of pose the pandemic as being um, what did you just say? Event Horizon. When you said Event Horizon, my mind immediately went to that terrible film, Event Horizon. Oh, I never saw that. Yeah, I, you don't need to. But okay. anyway, <laughs> but it being like this, like this huge, like opportunity for shift and change. And I've myself has sort of described it as like an alchemical process um, because the pandemic itself is much a part of nature, much a part of us hosting that nature, people that got COVID, and then us going through this whole alchemical process for the course of whatever, a year or so, and then coming out and there being something radically different, which is exactly what you're saying is 
you know, what did you did you say 2022 or this year or you 2022? Okay. All I know is for some reason I can't see beyond the end of this year. I, I, I like I just feel like intuitively it just all goes white. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I just know like we come up to one point in the roller coaster and then I can't see beyond it. Uh, so I'm open to whatever's coming. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing that you're open to whatever's coming because a lot of people are not. And then their nervous systems get all crazy and out of whack. And then we oh, have please. like <laughs> a lot of this like tension in the air, you know? Listen, I don't have a choice. It's all, it all comes. Yeah. I feel it all somatically and I'm, I'm sick now. I'm constantly uh, going through these uh, somatic shedding of skin. So, you know, submit or die or submit and die, whatever. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, to how to, if astrology is inherently queer or if you're queering astrology? Listen, that's a great question. I just want to say, like, astrology is so big, okay? I am doing astrology as a means of mediumship and counseling and archetypal exploration. I am a student of astrology. I don't have, like, a stake to claim on it in any way. Um you know, astrology is very big. It has a history going way, 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 way back. Like in ancient Egypt, they were doing fucking what's your rising sign. So like, mm -hmm. you know, it's very big. Um, like religion or the internet, I think it can literally be anything for anyone. Good, bad, smart, stupid, profound, kitschy, whatever. So I just want to put that out there. I think it is inherently queer. Um, just because I think astrology is kind of like a bit of a wasteland, which is like all of these, I feel this way about tarot, which is like all of these histories and traditions and beliefs kind of get cycled into this, um, channel and you get to kind of pick your place in it and how you want to read it. And I think it's really queer because you can't really enforce anything with astrology. Like, I have my ideas about what I think a Gemini is. I can't tell you anything. You might see it completely different and there is no one to enforce like, no, that's wrong and no, that's right. I think it's inherently good for queer people because queer people often get raised in spiritual and religious worlds and then get exiled, Lilith. Um, and astrology and tarot which are so tapped into pretty much every faith tradition, every archetypal history, every kind of spiritual culture, it gives you a way of like tapping into a lot of those things without it being under this like patriarchal, dogmatic, mommy, daddy, hate me thing. It's just very like, it, I just think it's a, a fuller spectrum, which to me is very queer. So I think astrology is queer. I am a queer person same with tarot, who is mm. like swimming through the channels. I remember, I think my earliest 
experience with astrology would be like in the columns in like the newspaper <laughs> and it would be totally. maybe like a three or four line blurb um probably i think it was in our local newspaper where i grew up in Pottstown, pennsylvania but i remember it being so um binary so binary, so um, sort of enforced by our already existing hegemonic structures. Like it, it just being, it just being sort of that. And I feel like I that probably is. I don't know how you feel about this, but probably against really what astrology or or any type of like looking towards the cosmos is, because it sort of removes that idea of the divine feminine. Yeah. From it. You know, I'm like, I'm really obsessed with Pluto right now. And Pluto in astrology is the destroyer. And like archetypally, it's tied in with, uh, you know, very divine feminine, which is like Shiva, you know, Shakti, Kali, this kind of like destroyer creator. Very dark phoenix, very Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. And like, <laughs> you know, astrology is basically saying like, yeah, shit's going to same with tarot. I have done a lot of readings where it's like, yeah, shit's about to go down for you. And like, yeah, you're, you're going to lose your job or uh, this relationship is going to end or whatever. And it's basically saying like, yeah, there's a bigger cycle here and you're kind of answering to a bit of a higher authority. It doesn't mean you're going to die. But yeah, like, um. I think it's weird. You know, I'm from Houston and we have a lot of mega churches. I I, I was raised Jewish, um, uh-huh. but I, I remember I went to Lakewood church one time and Joel Osteen's whole service was about, like, Oh no, how you can, I know it was all <laughs> you about went like to getting a, a bigger Aust- house. Oh, of course. Yeah. I had a really cool English teacher who was like, I want to take all of my Jewish students to Lakewood church to have this experience of like seeing what's going on. And I'm really grateful she did because it was fascinating. But the whole thing was about like, this is how you can get a nicer car and this is how you can have a bigger house. And it was like, okay, that's not really what's at stake. Like holding on to anything, possessing anything that's when Pluto is going to come in and destroy it. That's when Uranus wow. is going to come in and blow the house down. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's very queer, which is like, we don't own anything. We don't have anything. We're these kind of just like faggots in the ruins. And yeah. that to me, I think astrology and tarot are both like, <laughs> yeah, bitch. Well, we're you living know. in a capitalist patriarchy. So the whole, the, the whole process is accumulation. It's like, what can we fucking have next? Right, but it's like everyone knows it's over, you know. I was I was just reading yeah. about like I was just reading about the conditions for people who work in like meat processing plants in Kansas yeah. and it's like this is <laughs> this whole thing is such a house of cards which we all know and it's obviously unsustainable but it's like Everyone knows that this whole thing is like a game of chance and nothing is like hang is, is so there is something about the astrology of being like, oh yeah, everything is gonna get, you know. I love the idea that there's these huge archetypes that are like, I'm coming to take everything, and whatever is left mm-hmm. is is true, you know? Yeah, isn't it's Shiva the destroyer, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now wait, is Lakewood Joel Austin's like primary church home? Yes. Yes, definitely. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 
that's not what fucking Jesus meant. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, interesting. Not yeah. that I'm a fucking expert on Jesus, but growing up in a Catholic church, I got a little got a little bit of the lingo, a little bit of the language, but by by no means should I be should I be out there speaking the words in the streets. <laughs> well, if you want to be by the way, Jesus who is a Pisces was in the literal streets. That's okay. Yeah. I think being in a like well, I'm a 50,000 seat <laughs> mega church is a little different. I think there's like a bit of a vibe change. That's when, but uh, oh yeah, you're a Pisces. Fabulous. So yeah, being in the streets among the people is very Christian. Uh, lording over the people with false promises is not so much. Yeah. I just think about too, like I, I just got this thought. My my eco psychology brain just got turned on a little bit because I was thinking about Joel Austin and his many fucking homes and places of worship. So these people just like needing more and more real estate, like needing to needing to build more and more empires and then just like fucking dwell in them. It's such a like it's such a separation from our inherent nature and being being a part of earth and being part of mother and divine feminine it's like all fucking making sense to me now <laughs> but like at the same time what do they say about people building these fucking empires is they're gonna like eventually crumble you know i was watching uh the kurt Cobain and Courtney Love documentary, which is fully banned. And they were talking about how Kurt Cobain, hello, Pisces, um, how Kurt Cobain would was always wearing like several layers of clothes. Like he would be wearing like long johns and then like sweats and then jeans. Like he, he and yeah. he was so sensitive that he needed like literal physical protection. And I think a lot about like how Gen Z kids are always like wearing these really baggy clothes. And I just keep thinking about like what you were just saying about like these, these properties. I just think like everyone wants protection and the way that people are getting it is so not, <laughs> you know, like they're missing the point completely, which is like, there is no protection. Well, I also wonder what that says uh, you talk about archetypes. I wonder what the idea, like, if you think all of these homes and all of this accumulation is really just to fucking protect you from something, what does that really say about what's going on in their shadowy psyches, you know, about what they're doing? Well, I have family members who are gun owners, and I think they really have this, like, individualistic Batman fantasy that when the world ends or whatever, they're going to be the ones who can save the day. And I think queer people know like the world has already ended and like the best we can do is like bring each other soup. <laughs> you know, like where we've been here, I think there is this idea that like it's coming for them. We mm. know it's already come and like, you know, they've already taken. I think there's this idea of like the destroyers coming. I can protect myself. I think we queer people live in Pluto's mm. domain. Like we live in the ruins. We live in the destruction. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And as a as a therapist, <laughs> I kind of like to get in there when I see when I see the queer people falling back into the matrix, like just go and then like pluck them back out. Oh no, you don't need to go there. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, you know, I'm a nineteen ninety kid, so I have Uranus, Neptune, and Saturn in Capricorn. 
So I think there's a huge battle with authority and there's a huge battle with the matrix. I think I'm also Pluto and Scorpio. I think you probably are too. Um, you know, a lot of the kids born in the later nineties might not have that. They might be a lot better at like asserting their freedom. I think a lot of people born around when I was born, it's really a much bigger struggle. It's really like I am addicted to the tit of authority and I don't know how to get away. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's just kind of a generational thing. Yeah. Addiction. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Addiction to authority. Well, you mentioned Batman and I was listening to another episode of the Luminaries and I think, fuck, it wasn't, it didn't have a title of, it wasn't the astrology of a particular celebrity. It was like a rant. And you were talking specifically sure. about the different, the different actors to play Batman. Oh my um, God, yes. The Ben be- <laughs> Affleck, you, Michael Keaton, which you sort of named as the sexiest or maybe the most, yes, or maybe your favorite Batman. Is that correct? Okay, thank you for asking. This is what I want to just say. Um, Batman the Animated Series, the voice actor is named Kevin Conroy, and I think he is the like definitive. He brings I need this to look. Deep, what does he look? What does he look like? I don't know what he looks like, but I know what his oh, Batman looks like. Oh God, like, would I ruin it for gorgeous. you? Um, oh, oh, oh. No, it. You know he's got it. You know what I mean? Um, I he... highly recommend. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, well, listen. <laughs> but listen to you know, his you voice, know what girl. It, you know what it's giving it. You know what it's giving me. What it's serving me is a. It's a. It's a bit of Willem Dafoe, which I think is a very particular sexual moment, and yes. I'm not mad at it. Another iconic voice too. Yes, I'm not mad at it. So Kevin Conroy is in the animated series, which is very good. And of course, there is the uh, animated film, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is the all-time greatest Batman movie. Makes me cry every single time. Very queer. Uh, Michael Keaton is the sexiest Batman, hands down. We all had an awakening when Michelle Pfeiffer licked his fucking face. And she licks his face and then he licks his lips. It's like devastating. Um I celebrate Christian Bale. I wish straight people didn't celebrate him as much. And then I'd be able to just kind of have those movies for myself. Uh, Fine. Uh, And, you know, I have nothing to say about Ben Affleck besides, you know, run, run, run. Um, Does that answer your question? Yeah. You you know, you also go off on this entire diatribe about um, about Keanu Reeves as Batman. And you and you mentioned something that that stuck out that stuck out to me is these performances of Batman that are very like masculine without any sort of like balance act. Like they're just all fucking mask for mask. Let's just go at it. But there's an interesting component to Batman is that I think that like this backstory never shows up when the suit is on. So like the the Mm. sensitivity of what it might mean to, you know, be left in the wild with your parents gone because both of his parents were killed, right? Yeah, it's weird. You know, Batman has become this symbol of like Republican male individuality <laughs> of like, I'm going to be the one who can handle it. And like, you know, I'm not going to get let anything bad happen and I can like control everything. And really Batman is about like what happens when the pigs take over the hen house and when... Mm all of one's mental illness and like 
you know, when one's mental illness goes rampant and starts to attract other colorful characters who can't really fit in with society, you know, all of Batman's villains, no one knows what to do with them. And Batman never will set them free. Batman needs them around because he knows he's queer. He knows he's fucked up and he needs these other fuck ups around him. It's very like bizarre and codependent. Batman is supposed to be like this vessel of like heartbreak and um, and endless grief. And he's supposed to be this like bleeding open wound. Um, and I, I think someone like Keanu Reeves could bring that. I think it got misunderstood in the Ben Affleck world, in the Trump world, which is very like Batman's a symbol of strength. And it's like, no, Batman is about like if you watch the animated series Poison Ivy is the star because she, you know, Poison Ivy, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, it's all of these women who are like, oh, you're fucked up. I'm fucked up, but at least I enjoy it, you know, and it's this it's that's kind of what's going on. Okay. well, yeah, I think that Batman in a way is sort of like should be rogue, like Batman doesn't really take a side necessarily with law enforcement or with corruption that in fact Batman sort of lives in this weird liminal threshold world in between but then that Ben Affleck one where it's like Batman is pro cops you know that's what it very much felt like I don't know how you felt about it well it wasn't even it was just very libertarian and it was very just like I have to take matters into my own hands and it's like that's actually not really what it's about it's about the, this feeling that you uh, you are submitting to this part of you that that can't really be contained. You're right. It's very liminal. Like it can't really fit. And you are embracing that you're basically this freak and you're addicted. You know, Superman and Wonder Woman don't have that. Batman is addicted to this chaos and these colorful characters and this like this demimon, this nightlife. That's a little more interesting to me. You know, if you read mm -hmm. Batman comics from the 60s and 70s, they're very psychedelic. There's a lot of bizarre visions and trips happening. There's a lot of really weird relationships, too. That's more interesting to me uh, than anything. I love all the women in the in the Gotham world just because they're all like, yeah, I want to fucking do this, too, but I'm going to, like, enjoy it. Like, the women to me are very, like femme and drag and camp because they're kind of claiming it in this big way. Batman is kind of shut down by it. You know, his his relationship with the closet is much more punishing, but at least we get to watch that struggle. The women are fully unleashed and they don't care about the consequences, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, you're a comic fan, right? Yes. When did you, like, what drew you to that sort of universe? Like, were you, were you a comic book fan when you were super young or? You know, my brothers who are 10 years older than me had every single X-Men toy. And I just like got sucked in that way because, you know, X-Men more than anything is a disco abundance. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing like that in the world. Um, and yeah, I think when I was in like, I was really big on Buffy. I still am. And then, you know, once I was in middle school, I just started reading Wonder Woman and it kind of went from there. Mm -hmm. um, comic books are basically very archetypal, very like what I said with astrology and tarot. You can enter at any point and you can make whatever you want out of them. But ultimately they are very queer in that it's like 
a total ever expanding abundant mess and Mm -hmm. there is no definitive truth you know like when people see this is actually what i love like when people will see a superhero movie, they'll go, well, I don't know if that happened in co- in the comic books. And I'll say, it doesn't really matter because anything and everything could happen in the comic books. And who like, make whatever you want out of it. If this is, if you mm-hmm. love this uh, performance of Batman, go off, whatever. Like, it's kind of an open playground, which I also feel with tarot and astrology. Like, when I'm reading someone's tarot, if they see something, you know, I, sometimes I'll read my friend Tommy who grew up Catholic he will see things in the tarot cards that I have no reference for. And I'm like, yeah, that's totally right. I I am not, (laughs) there is no authority on any of this. There are ways where you're like, this is not right. This feels like violating, but that's usually when straight people get their hands too far into it. Otherwise it's like, and and you know, the thing with X-Men that's so interesting to me is like, I understand that people want more X-Men characters to come out as queer. And I love that. To me, all the X-Men characters are fundamentally already queer. So, like, it's kind of incidental if one of them says, like, I am attracted to someone of my same sex or whatever, you Mm. know? It's already a queer everything about it, you know? Yeah, that just reminds me. There was just an article that came out. I forget the fucking actor's name. It's like Tom somebody or somebody who plays Loki in something or something. Tom Hiddleston, yeah. (laughs) And they announced, Hollywood announced that he was bisexual. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay, first of all, Loki (laughs) is queer as fuck as a mythological character. Right. Um, Thank you for saying this. Um, You know, they just had the character come out on his Disney Plus show. So by the way... You know, for someone to come out on a Disney Plus show, it's kind of oxymoronic. Let's just say that, first of all. (laughs) And he just came out in a very boring way where he was like, yes, I have. It was just not uh, exactly Loki's queerness. If you uh, want to associate Loki maybe with the planet Uranus or even with the planet Mercury, which are these very trickster archetypes. Loki's queerness is not him saying I'm bisexual, though that mm-hmm. should that is obvious. That should have been said on day one. It's him fucking with the system. It's him making you question why why is Thor the hero? It's making it's him fucking with everything. That's what the trickster does. And that's what, you know, Mark Hamill voiced the Joker on Batman, and he's my favorite because he's queer. He's laughing at everything. He's making things a joke. It's not this, like, um, incel Joker. And the same with Loki. Yes, I want to see him hooking up with with everyone, men and women. But the queerness is a little bit more than just saying, like, I am a bisexual. See, look at us at Disney. We did it. It's like, no, this is a little bit more, you know, I think you're missing the point here. Yeah. And that queerness is intrinsically tied to um, sexuality. That's not necessarily the case either. Um, And what I remember exactly what you say is that Loki is associated with, with trickster. It's also, I mean, my issue with all of these is that when you have, and this is the case with any minority on anything, when you have one character who is black or a woman or queer or whatever on a on a show or whatever, 
it doesn't really do anything. It only matters when it's in a dialogue. So if you throw in another queer character, then you get a little definition and then it actually makes some sense. Otherwise, it's them just saying, I'm queer. And it lands with a thud. You need Loki to be in dialogue. You know, there's a great Young Avengers comic book series by Kieran Gillen. Half the team is gay. So then when Loki turns up, it's like, yeah, throw him in there. Let's see how he mixes up with everyone. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's like, okay, Loki's here and he's kind of bi. Mm -hmm. Cool. This has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) Visibility. (laughs) Exactly. Visibility. Visibility. Invisibility. (laughs) Invisibility. That's my platform. I love it. So have you... Okay, now that you've been doing all of this, the astrology of these icons, celebrities what have you have there been any surprising astrology reads for any of these folks that you've done that's a really great question um i think i'm just like looking over what we've what we've done you know there's definitely been um a real deep deepening uh and of like of my appreciation of a lot of them and it's really helped me do other people's readings where I can be like, oh, Barbara Streisand has this. Uh, that's why this is going to be hard for you. <laughs> um, and it's definitely like, I guess something that I've really learned because obviously this is a, I think it's been established that I am a fagoot. Obviously we're not really doing a lot of like, you know, I am the type of person when I hear like, the nominees for best actor, I just go brain dead. Yeah. Don't, it's don't all care. Been women. Don't care. Right. Don't care. So it's all been women. So it's been really interesting to understand how these women's astrology, which are the, their essential attributes, either speak to something of the moment and clash with something of the moment. You know, we're, we're going through this moment where Britney Spears, we're, we're, we're dealing with a lot of the ramifications of that. And, a lot of these women who have been basically persecuted are are having some retribution. So we're going to be doing Sinead O'Connor's astrology soon. We just did MIA's astrology. We've done Britney Spears' astrology. Princess Diana's very big. So it's just really interesting to see. And we just did Lindsay Lohan's. Like It's interesting to see how and why. And the astrology helps with this what they were threatening about the status quo and what they were really speaking to about their moment and what they were really threatening about the moment and why they were exiled. And Lilith has become a really big figure in all of this because she represents exile, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's been really interesting for me. Mm. Who, um, if you could give us some spoilers, who have you done? I mean, who haven't you haven't you done yet that's either coming up or or that you want to do um we are cooking currently oh there's so many uh but currently we are cooking paris hilton and we are cooking sinead i think we're gonna be getting to bjork 
I want to be doing more like archetypal stupid ones. Like I want to do the astrology of the Titanic. Like I want to just go fully. We just did my, my friend Jake and I just did the astrology of charmed last month. And uh-huh. it was like so fun. So I am down to be doing like, yeah, let's do the astrology of Batman or whatever. Um, right. But yeah, we've got, we got quite a few cooking I'm excited for. Right. Speaking of which, wait, is Paris Hilton DJing in New York a lot? Oh, I would love to know. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, she she's she's a DJ now, as most people are out of the pandemic. Yes. yes. <laughs> Although I think I know, she may I have know, been DJing honey. before. Oh, bitch. Like, I, you could not get on Twitch and not spot a... It was like OnlyFans. You could not get on there and not spot a friend who I was, know, was I on know. there, Listen, you know, earning a living. <laughs> it, you know, first it was like everyone is baking sourdough bread and then it was like, oh, everyone has a Twitch channel. Or, well, like, it was okay, kombucha girl. in LA when I was living in LA. Kombucha in LA. Everyone the, was the passing only, around You were the, right, though. The OnlyFans to Twitch pipeline that happened in like... Summer 2020, everyone had an OnlyFans. And then by fall 2020, everyone had a Twitch. And it was like, okay, oh, girl. No. And I say this as someone with a podcast, which is the most embarrassing thing. So, like, you know, don't, don't, I am not better than anyone in this case. Oh, no. I mean, I was saying, if you would have asked me back in 2019 if I'd ever would have a podcast, your answer was going to be no, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a I had a pandemic era podcast. Now we got this new podcast. And here we are. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> I'm just in here. You know, someone's working the strings. I'm talking out of my head. I don't know what's happening. Exactly. I'm enjoying a Celsius um, which is, it's an energy drink, but it, but it's not like a monster because the monster ones give me a heart attack. So yeah, that's hard. Uh, truly. That's one of those things. Like I, uh, I don't drink and I have friends who don't drink. And one of my friends like drinks a lot of Red Bull and I'm like, you know, alcohol is probably healthier. Well, you know, <laughs> like when I quit drinking, um, I was trying to sort of reintegrate into the clubs without booze, without my friend booze. And I was drinking a lot of fucking Red Bull. And I'm going to tell you right now, drinking Red Bull without that depressant booze is like just asking for trouble. I was waking up and I was waking up like head to face with like a bunch of people. I'm like, I don't even know how I got here. I wasn't drunk, but somehow I guess I went into the spins and then into a black hole of Red Bull. And somehow I'm here in your bed. Not good for the the brain cells, um, of which we have so few remaining. Really, it's it's truly the case. <laughs> so you're working. So you're now the in-house astrologer, in-house astrologer for Nylon Magazine. Would that would would that be what something you call like it? that? Something like that, right? And this is something you just started recently, right? Yes, uh, which I'm really grateful for. How's it going? Uh, but I think it, it's, I think, you know, it's, I started right during eclipse season. So it was really a trial by fire. Right now, it's just getting like more and more fun and experimental. So I'm mm-hmm. really grateful for it. They're letting me really go totally wild. Um, I just sent in the astrology of Buffy. So I'm like really having a great time. Uh, they're not remaking Buffy, are they? 
Uh, not without my permission. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, we're in the days now where we can't think of new things, so we just fucking remake everything. Which I actually think that is going to change soon with the astrology. Um, when Pluto moves into Aquarius, I have a feeling that's going to change. I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's been such a deluge of new talent on new platforms that at some point it's just going to overwhelm the system. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think that's a big part of the event horizon. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of which, the craft. What's not to love, except for a lot of it. But what? What? No, wait a minute. When you say what's not to love, are you talking about the original or are you talking about the remake? I did not participate in the remake. Um, You know, sadly, that one missed me. Um, But, you know, any minute now, I might I might jump in. Uh, But of course, the original. Yeah, I don't think that you need to. I mean, you you can if you want to. Um, But but speaking of things being remade and then also going back to um, (laughs) visibility like and and then and the need to like really really kind of force feed you woke culture in the remakes mm. really just did that movie a fucking terrible disservice. I'm you know I love Pan Grossman. Mm. I love Pan Grossman's book, Pan Grossman's podcast, but I just did not enjoy that remake. I am completely with you. And I think they they, they are trying to make the movies be everything to everyone. And then it actually doesn't have a point of view. So I haven't seen this one, but I know, (laughs) I know the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you lose a lot of what it's about. Um, So I'm completely with you. Right. Well, as we wrap up, will you please share with my 50,000 listeners? Yes, God. Um, <laughs> we're manifesting constantly. Um, <coughs> where people can find you, your socials, your your website, your your name on Grinder and Scruff. Yeah. Naturally, uh, you can go to davidodyssey.com. The podcast is there. You can book a reading there. You can read all my work there. Um, I'm on Instagram at David underscore Odyssey. Classically, the Odyssey, uh, the spelling is O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. I do private readings. I do, I'm all over the place. So, you know, reach out as John has with your opinions. (laughs) I love to chat. Um, yeah, and that's that's where I I am, um, you know. And I'm always, like I said, I'm always cruising the invisible channels. So I'm happy to see you in the astral plane as well. Uh, whatever you'd like. Well, thank you so much for um, for replying to my reaching out <laughs> and for coming pleasure. on and having a conversation. I really enjoyed this. As did I. It was really my pleasure. And um, wishing you a very good summer. Are you an LGBTQ plus identified individual that has a humorous story of failure? Attempted a pandemic hobby that didn't go as planned? A witch whose spell brought unexpected results? 
Tried cooking a new dish for a dinner party that veered horribly off course? Queer Chaos Podcast wants to hear from you. At this show, we rally around the queer art of failure and experiments that didn't quite make it. Email your funny trips down the tried it lane to queerchaospodcast at gmail.com and your story might land right here on our little show. Please include a first name you'd like to be known by and the city town you're located in. We won't share any other information. We ain't trying to dox a bitch. And please, make it a story and not just the result. Like, my cat puked on my date. Queer Chaos is hosted and co-produced by me, John Malitris, and recorded at House of Pod in Denver, Colorado. Our podcast cover art was created by Evan Lorenzen, who you can find on the Instagrams at Art and Such Evan. That's A-R-T-A-N-D-S-U-C-H-E-V-A-N. Evan is also an amazing tattoo artist based in Denver, so check them out. You can find Queer Chaos on Instagram at Queer Chaos Podcast and online at QueerChaosPodcast.com. If you have some coins you can throw our way, we are on the Patreon, which is linked through our website, QueerChaosPodcast.com. Those coins go to monthly studio fees, website, and admin upkeep. And don't forget to send us your stories to QueerChaosPodcast at gmail.com. Until next show, embrace the queer chaos.